Happy couple days after Thanksgiving. Good to see everybody. I did notice, um, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but I did notice, and I'm going to call him out, Jason Gargala, who is over here um, to my right, your left. He did sit down a little bit slower than everybody else because of a shirt that he's wearing. So you can, he likes Ohio and that kind of area. So he was, yeah, anyway. Um, I want to call Tammy and Audra Dryden to come forward. Uh, They're going to share a testimony They're coming from all the way up in the balcony, coming all the way down. Um, But as we've been going through the last couple weeks, the one another's that we see in Scripture, and talking really about what was the church, what is the church supposed to be? It was never supposed to be just a a gathering where we come and we sit and we face forward and then go along our merry way, but all throughout the New Testament, we see that there are numerous one another's that the church is meant to live into, that we're to love one another, that we're to honor one another. Bear with one another, forgive one another, pray for one another is what Britton shared last week. And more than just listening to uh, the word and just hearing some things on a Sunday, we want to be doers of the word. We want to actually put into practice and live out the very things that the Lord is asking us to do. And so I've uh, asked Tammy and Audra Dryden to come and share what uh, God had stirred in them recently to do and what the fruit of that was. So come on up, ladies. I don't know who's going to go first, but uh, I would love for you to share. A couple weeks ago, uh, you, you were moved to do something after uh, hearing the word uh, shared, and why don't you share what you were moved by God to do. So first of all, be careful what you tell Britain, because you'll end up here. <laughs> no, really, it's all for the sake of the body, because the first thing I need to say is whatever you hear up here, um, we're not like a super Christian family. Um, there's been a lot of struggle for us, and me personally, and I've had to um, apologize for a lot of things to my kids over the years. So what you hear right now, um, don't put that on us like we could never do that. My family could never do that, if that's what you're thinking. Anyway, sorry, I'm nervous. Plus, I walked all the way down from the balcony. (laughs) (laughs) And I ate a lot of food. (laughs) Okay, um, so after the um, bearing with one another, I had a testimony that I needed to share and confess and there wasn't enough time, so I knew I needed to go home and do that with my family. Um, And then Audra said she wanted to share something, and she didn't have time either. So the Lord just prompted on my heart that we would sit around the dinner table together and that we would confess to one another and ask each other for um, something we needed to forgive, we needed them to forgive us for, a way that we had not been bearing with one another. And the thing I needed to confess was Um, was that my tone, um, I've come a long journey of being freed from perfectionism and control and um, that has affected my family and my parenting a lot and so it still rears its head while the strongholds are gone, this still comes up, I still struggle with it and so I needed to ask for forgiveness for my tone when I talk with my kids and I remind them to do stuff. I knew my tone was shaming and it wasn't lifting them up. So we went around the table and did that, and then I called a college kid and had to do that. One of my kids I called and talked to the other one later. Yeah, um, and I actually grew in admiration for everyone around the table sharing, which sounds kind of weird because we're all like sharing our sins and um, just the ways that like the 
grossest part of us, I guess. Um, but I was just sitting there, like, just admiring everyone that um, they would put what the Lord, the Lord's ways, and our relationship before their own image of themselves, or um, they would lay their pride aside. And I just think that's really honorable. Um, so yeah, and even everyone that shared on that Sunday. So I would say it started, oh. Don't go halfway. Let me keep going. Um, it started awkward, and it, it's very different than just saying, I'm sorry. For somebody, like when you, you know, during the week, you, you do something, you just say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It's, it's very intentional, listening to the Lord, asking him to reveal something, and then it's asking, actually, for their forgiveness. Um, it's a lot more vulnerable and um, humbling to do that than just kind of the, I'm sorry. Um, and that is vulnerability and honesty. It breeds trust, and trust breeds vulnerability and honesty. And then from that, we went around the table and did the honoring one another. So each person said um, one thing they wanted to honor the other person with, because we had not done that from a couple weeks before that. Anyway, because it was so beautiful, we decided that we wanted to do that, make that a regular practice. Now, I don't know what that means, trying to figure it out so it's not forced. So if any of you do this and have idea, let me know. Um, but we're just seeking the Lord for that. Sweet. Thanks for sharing. Why don't you guys, I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, if you could pray for, Tammy, you pray for parents. Okay. And Audra, I would want you to pray for kids in the household. Pray that um, as parents we would not live into the perfectionist mentality, but just walk in humility and grace and asking for forgiveness when we need it, and that to pray for kids however you want to pray for them. Okay? All right. Go ahead, Tammy. Father, we love you. We thank you for being with us and being in us. We thank you that as parents, um, we don't do this alone, even though we often try to. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that is in us and that convicts and propels us to love and to seek you. Father, would you um, help us with every step? Help us remember our security in you. And when we remember that and our identity, it changes the way we parent, um, that changes how we speak. We remember that they're yours, first of all, and we're just raising and training and lifting and pointing to you. And when we are real with our weaknesses and our failures and we admit them, we really just show our need of you all the more. Yeah. And they see something authentic and real. And so, Father, help us, help me remember that. Help each of the parents in here today to remember that and maybe take one small step of reconciling something in their relationship with their child today. Thank you, Father, for the work that you'll do in us. In your son's name, amen. And Lord, um, I just thank you for repentance. Um, that you would have mercy on us to show us where we're wrong and show us your good ways. Um, and so I pray just for all the young people in here um, that maybe they're, they have um, some sin inside that they feel they can't let anyone see or um, they feel just so ashamed of it. Lord, I pray that you would fill them um, with your boldness and also just your humility, Lord. 
Um, and I thank you, Lord, that we are not enough because you are everything. Um, and it's not about our righteousness, but yours. Um, and so I ask that you would just humble us again because um, we need it so much. Um, we love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. I love that testimony and other testimonies that we've heard as we've been talking about the one another's um, and just a testimony of not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And as we were praying over this season that, that we're in as a church, really our prayer has been that we would not just listen to some messages and then go along our way, but that we would be really compelled into action, that we would allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts to to focus on those areas where we need to grow in Christ-likeness and not just be convicted, but actually do something about it. Because we won't, don't want to be just hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. And so I love uh, just that testimony and them sharing just a simple way that they, they lived um, into to what the Lord was calling them to do and just a lifestyle of obedience. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Daniel read a little bit of this uh, already today, but I want to focus on Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. The writer of Hebrews, he's writing to a group of followers of Jesus who are pretty discouraged and pretty down, almost to the point where they want to give up. They want to give up in following Jesus, and they want to go back to their ways of, they were uh, Jews and, and, and uh, living the uh, Judaism life, um, and they came to Jesus, but they're very discouraged and very bummed out because they're living in Rome, and there's just a ton of persecution that was, that was being uh, happening towards Christians, towards followers of Jesus. And they want to give up, they want to shrink back, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to encourage them, writing to challenge them, and writing to, to tell them, don't shrink back, don't give up, Jesus is, is worth everything. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, this is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And he starts off there by just reminding them of, of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them. That he has opened up a way where they can boldly enter the very throne room of God. And I don't know about you, but for me, I never want to take that for granted. I mean, the very reality, and we've sung about it already, but the very reality, because of the blood of Jesus, because the blood was poured out for us, we can be reconciled to God our Father, the God of the universe, and more than just even reconciled, we can boldly approach his throne. In Eugene Peters' translation of, of uh, scripture called The Message, he says we can just walk right into the room, walk right up into God. And I love that picture. And I wonder for you and for me, do we ever just sit and marvel at that? Or do we just take that for granted that, okay, we can pray and and just talk to God? Or do we marvel at the fact that only because of the blood of Jesus, we can have this relationship with the God of the universe? 
As I look at people throughout Scripture, Moses and Isaiah, as they approached God, they were in awe of who he was. They were blown away. And I want us to be blown away by the very fact that we as imperfect people that have been sanctified, that have been saved by the blood of Jesus, that we can approach the God of the universe. May we always be in awe of that. That's the very foundation of Christianity. See, Christianity just isn't another way to approach God. Another way to learn about God through, you know, some, some principles in scripture or through meditation or through prayer. No, Christianity is the way to be reconciled to God. The way to know God. It's only through the blood of Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews is reminding them of the very foundation of their faith. That it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with the God of the universe only made possible through the poured blood of his son Jesus. And he says, hold fast to that. For God is faithful. And in verse 24, he says this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. He says, never lose sight of who Jesus is, but then he says, there's something else that I want you to do. Never neglect, don't neglect meeting together. Some had already neglected to meet together, to assemble together with other followers of Jesus, and the writer is saying, don't give up meeting together. Be devoted to one another. You need each other. And he says that because often people's first step away from God is to step away from the very people of God, from the body of Christ, from the very people of God that that God put in our place to encourage us, to challenge us, to stir us up. And so he says, don't neglect meeting together. Now, this doesn't mean just come and sit in a room and attend, because how many of us know that you can be in a room, you can be present, but not fully there? How many of you have had a conversation with somebody and they're talking and they're telling a story or maybe something going on in their life and they're like, blah, 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 and then they ask you a question and you're like, what, huh? what were you saying? It is so easy to be present in a room but not fully present. And so the writer is not just saying show up and, and be a part of a gathering. No, the opposite of neglect is to engage in relationship. And so he's saying engage in relationship. Be fully present. Then he goes on to say, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider one another. Think about that. Let us consider one another. Let's give careful attention, continual focus on one another. Take careful uh, uh, notice of one another's spiritual needs. I mean, how often do we do that when we come together to worship? How often is your heart focused on another person and saying, I wonder how they're doing spiritually? How often are you focused on, I wonder how Ryan's relationship with Jesus is going? I wonder how Jeff is doing in his relationship with the Lord. How often do we come together and consider one another before ourselves? How often do we come into this room and say, I need to have careful attention, careful focus on where other people are at in their relationship with Jesus. Beyond the casual, hey, how's it going? How often do we come together to a gathering and say, I want to know what's going on in this person's life and that person's life? Because that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. As you come together, as you be the church, let us consider not ourselves but for one another. But too often when we come to a gathering like this where our mindset is focused on what can I get out of it instead of what can I give? We're like, oh, these songs better 
better be one of my, song, my favorite songs. I need to be stirred up to action. I hope somebody considers me. But the problem is, nowhere in this book do we see that you come together for a gathering like this and just think of yourself, first and foremost. But it's always one another. Let us consider one another. Let us think about each other. Let us get into each other's life, not just showing up to attend, but really get invested in one another to know each other and where they're at and what's going on. I think this is so countercultural for us today. For us to come together and consider one another before ourselves. So the writer says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. It's not just considering one another, just thinking about how they're doing, but actually stir them up towards love and good works. And that whole word, stir one another up, or in another translation it says, to spur one another on, has been the thing that I've been thinking about all week. And it's this picture of provoking or motivating or spurring one another into action. And I remember when I was in middle school, I went on this horse ride. I don't ride horses all that often. And usually, like the couple horse rides that I've been on, the horses don't really do anything except follow the rear end of the horse in front of them. So it's not all that exciting. But I went on this horse ride when I was in middle school. And I remember riding this horse, and I was a, a small middle school kid, and I was at this crossroads where if it went to the left, it was back to the barn, and if the horse went to the right, it was on this trail. And I wanted this horse to go to the right. And so I'm yanking on this horse, yanking on this horse, and it wouldn't go. It just was stubborn, feet just stuck in the dirt. I'm not going anywhere. And so what did I do? I didn't have spurs on, but I, I used my feet, and I just kicked this horse. And I said, come on. It was gentle. It was nice. But I, I kicked the horse. Nothing happened to the horse. But all of a sudden, instead of going right, this stinking horse went left, and I lost the reins, and here I'm, I'm holding on to the horse's neck, and my face is, is right by his neck, and all of a sudden there's blood rushing down my face from rubbing against his skin, and, and, and the, the thing that caused him to move was me spurring him on or kicking him, and that's what Paul's talking about in here. We're going to get to encouragement next week, but here he's saying, when you come together, spur one another on. And sometimes that means a hard conversation. It might mean calling somebody out and saying, you know what, you said that you were going to do this, and I don't see that in your life. Or you say you're a follower of Jesus, and there's this or that in your life, and I want to talk to you about it because I care so much about you. That's what Paul is saying. Let us spur one another on. Spur one another on when we come together. It's not like, let's calm each other down or normalize one another. Or if somebody's really fired up about following Jesus, it's not like, hey, chill out, relax. No, it's all about let's remind one another, let's come together and spur one another on and remind each other that Jesus is worth everything, every aspect of our lives. He's worth us going out and sharing the gospel, the good news that we ourselves have found. It's, he's worth going out and sharing our resources with those who are in need. It's about reminding people to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and know that everything is going to be added to it. It's coming together and stirring one another up to the point where if there's a stirring that is going on inside of you, it's gathering people around and saying, do it. Keep going. It's worth it. If you see something in scripture and you're convicted to do it, to actually live it out, it's people coming around you and saying, you need to live this out. You need to do that. Because to me, that's what love is, that's a picture of love. 
It's not satisfying or being okay with people just meandering through their life following Jesus. It's saying, no, you were, you were called to so much more. So it's coming together and spur one another on towards actions. But too often, I have seen in the church, people try to talk one another out of being obedient. People feel convicted to, to change their life in some way, shape, or form. They're convicted to live a life of holiness. And I have heard followers of Jesus come around people like that and say, oh, just chill out. Just relax. You don't have to pray all the time. You don't have to share the gospel with everybody. Too often when they say that, they themselves are convicted by another person's actions. And I, Moran Park, want to be a place where we do not do that. But if we see people moved by what they see in Scripture to come around them and spur them on and encourage them and say, keep going, it is worth it because Jesus gave everything for you. See, I don't want to be a place, I don't want to be a church that is just known for its knowledge, knowing a bunch about the Lord. Because after all, we're just a bunch of idiots who encounter Jesus, aren't we? I want us to be people who, yes, grow in our understanding of who God is, but live lives of radical obedience to him, sharing the good news that we have found in Jesus with everybody that we come in contact with. I want us to be a place where we encounter the Lord in a powerful way and we go out and we say, I'm going to, I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to live differently. I don't want us to settle for anything less than to be in a place where we are spurring one another on towards action. That's what I love about these testimonies. And hearing people do it, hearing people actually live lives of obedience. And the reason that I love doing this is because, or hearing these stories, is because I need to be reminded. I need to be spurred on. I have been so, you know, recently I've been so reminded of how selfish I can be. How self-focused my relationship with Jesus can be. How self-centered I can be. And when I come together in a gathering like this, I get spurred on by the testimonies that I hear. I get spurred on to, to live my life wholly for Jesus by seeing people hop over pews to pray for one another. I get spurred on when I hear stories of people going out into the community and praying for one another. I get spurred on when people give of their, their resources to people who are in need. I get spurred on every time, even though it's sad because there's a break in the relationship because they're going to the ends of the earth, but I get spurred on and stirred up every time we pray over somebody to send them out to wherever they're going. I get so fired up to go out and live wholeheartedly for Jesus, and that's what the church was always meant to be, to be a place where we come together regardless of what's going on in the world, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, to come together and spur one another on and remind one another that it's all worth it because Jesus gave everything for us. To be a people that comes together and spur one another on because that is who we are created to be, people of action. Not people just to sit here and do nothing, but to be people of action. Recently, I was doing a house project, and I was reminded of how much I don't like house projects. <laughs> and it's for a couple of reasons. One, because I, I'm tired and there's just a lot going on in life like so many of you. But secondly, I'm reminded how, of how dumb I am. Because I look at the project and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to build a wall. I don't know how to to drywall. I don't know how to do all this stuff. But as I don't just sit back and pay for somebody else to do it, but actually engage in the work, yes, there's mistakes. Yes, there's issues that come up. Like the one night when I was up late at night framing a wall with my buddy's nail gun, big nail gun, shooting these nails into the wall. 
I was getting to the end of the project and, and I shot this big nail into the wall and all of a sudden sparks flew. <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> Should not have hit that wire. Oops. <laughs> but as I looked back, there was so much reward because I'm like, oh, I did that. I did this. Oh, I, I completed this. And I believe the same is true in a relationship with Jesus. When we step out in, in faith, when we step out and do the things that, that Scripture tells us to do, there's a joy, there's an excitement that wells up, not because we're doing everything right, but because we're doing what we were created to do, what we were recreated in Christ Jesus to do. There's so much joy that comes in sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody. And it is scary to share the gospel. It is scary to, to have that conversation. But every time I, I've done it, and I'm no expert at it whatsoever, but every time I have done it, I go from that, that conversation, drive away in my car, so filled up with joy because I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is the very foundation of who we are supposed to be as people of Jesus, followers of Jesus. We're supposed to be people of action. And that's what scripture says. Turn over to James chapter 2. James 2, verse 14, says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself. If it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And really what the, the writer is saying is that our beliefs... The things that we believe about God should translate into a change of behavior, should translate into action, should translate into uh, to us actually doing something. And he goes on and shares the example of Abraham and Rahab. And all throughout scripture, we see people who were so convicted and compelled by their love of God that it resulted in a change of action. Often, though, I think about what prevents people from action. What prevents people from actually doing something? What prevents us from, from living a life that is about love and good works? What prevents that? And often I would say, number one, it's a lack of conviction. Every time we ha don't see a behavior lived out in our lives, we don't have to just focus on that behavior. What we have to do is focus on our beliefs. Because so often it's our beliefs that transitions in, into our behavior. And so we have to go back and say, do we really believe? Do we really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? And if so, then we would be so compelled to share the gospel. Do we believe that people that we love, people that we so like in this world, who don't know Jesus, don't have a relationship with him, have yet to put their faith in him, do we believe that they will spend eternity apart from him without giving their life to Jesus? And if so, then we should be so compelled to live a life where we're sharing the gospel with them. Do we believe, like Britton was talking about last week, that, that prayer does matter, that prayer does change things, that we should be praying for one another? 
And if we believed that, then it would result in action. But so often I wonder if our actions aren't there because our belief isn't there. And so our prayer needs to be, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us in our unbelief. What behaviors do you have in your life that aren't backed up by your belief? Or what lack of behaviors do you have in your life that aren't backed up by your, by your belief? A lack of conviction often leads to a life of inaction. This week I was so challenged. Maybe you read the story in the news. The story of John Chow. A young man who was killed this week. On an island on the other side of the world. Because as a college student, he was so compelled to go to this island, an island that had never heard about Jesus because they live isolated from the rest of the world. He was so compelled in college to share the gospel with them that he started to pray and started to prepare for that time when one day he would go to that island with the desire to share the good news of Jesus so that they will be in heaven one day worshiping Jesus in their own language. And this past week, he showed up at the island and was killed by the locals there. And he said, don't have anything against them. He was going so compelled by the love of Jesus. And in all honesty, as I read that article for the first time, as I heard the story this week, I'm like, why would he do that? What is he doing? He knows that those people have, have shot arrows at people who have gone there before. What, are they, what is he doing but then I was reminded he was compelled by this deep conviction, this deep faith that these people needed to hear the saving good news of Jesus Christ. And so he was so compelled to go. And I was evaluating my life. Do I have that same conviction in my own life to the place where I am compelled to act? Do we all have that same level of conviction in our lives in other areas where we are compelled to act? And are we spurring one another on to live that way, a life that is wholehearted for Jesus? Without conviction, often we live a life that is lacking in courage. But I also think the other thing that prevents people from really living a life of action, really stepping out, is a misunderstanding of the Father's character. Misunderstanding of who God is. I've talked to so many people who have been paralyzed because they're so afraid that if they make a decision, if they take a step, they'll make a mistake and God will be so upset with them. The only problem that we have with that is what we read in Scripture. I get so encouraged by the disciples and their interaction with Jesus. They messed it up all the time. They messed it up all the time. Two of the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, can we sit on your right and your left? Can we be your best disciples? I mean, how arrogant is that? And Jesus didn't kick them out of his little group. No, he corrected them and walked with them and said, uh, if you want to be great, you've got to be the least. But also I'm reminded of the story that Jesus shared of the one, the master who came and gave his servants five talents, two talents, and one talent. And the person with five went off and, and, and gained five more. And the master comes back and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And to the one with the two talents, went out, he went off and gained two more. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. But the one who had one talent, what did he do? He dug it in the ground, hit it. And he came back and he said, oh, here's your talent back. Jesus had the harshest words for those who did nothing with what he had given them. It wasn't like, hey, you messed up here or there. I want us to be people of action, people who are stirred up to live a life wholeheartedly for Jesus. Because he gave everything for us. 
So this morning, what I want to do right now is I want us to have a conversation with one another. This is like a second intermission, but it's going to be a focused conversation. There's going to be questions up on the screen, and this is what I want you to do. Maybe you, you're, you're, you just want to sit in silence and, and, and listen or read those questions. I'm, I'm cool with that, but I really want to encourage you to have conversations with one another as uncomfortable as it can be. But there's questions up on the screen. Questions like, what has the Lord shown you in his word lately? I want you guys to talk about that. What has God shown, shown you in his word as you've been reading the word? And if not, if you haven't been st- time reading scripture, I want you to not just say, oh, it's okay. No, I want you to challenge one another. What are you going to do to get into the word this week? And here's the other thing that I would love to, for you to do. As you share things, maybe plan, make a point of following up with one another this week. Text one another, call one another, email one another, have coffee with one another. But here's what I want you to do. There's questions up on the screen. P, why don't you go ahead and throw those up? Don't have to answer all of these questions, but questions like, what is God showing you lately in his word? How are you obeying what God has told you to do? Or maybe you want to share a testimony in your life. What have you seen God do in your life recently? What have you seen God do in other people's lives recently? And then even in light of what we've been talking about, how have you loved, honored, forgiven, and prayed for others recently? And I want this to be a time where we're not just listening to one another, but we're really spurring one another on towards action because we don't want to be people who just sit and be hearers of the word and not doers of the word. We want to be a community in Moran Park that actually lives into the things that God is asking us to do. So take a couple minutes. There's going to be a timer up on the screen. This is not a time to like just chill out and, and like another intermission time. No, this is a focused intermission time where you're going to actually talk with one another about spiritual matters. So go for it. Come back in a couple minutes. All right, why don't you wrap it up? This this is such a beautiful time when we're talking with one another and we're hearing stories of what God is doing in people's lives. It should result in us being stirred up to continuing to follow Jesus with all of our lives, with total abandon. And why is this important? Why is this like so important? It's important because it says to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And that picture of love that we see in Hebrews 10 is the steadfast, self-sacrificial, unconditional love that we ourselves have received from Jesus. We are called to be people of action, not just because we need to do a bunch of good stuff. No, because we serve and we worship a God of action, the God who left the throne of heaven behind. Jesus, who left it all behind to come to this earth, to live a life of selfless sacrifice, to die a death on the cross, Why? Because God so loved the world that he had to do something about it, that he gave his one and only son to you and I so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We worship a God who doesn't just sit on the sidelines and say, hey, you guys all figured it out, but a God who moves towards us, a God who is full of love and good works towards us. So as a result, as living a life of worship, we should be quick to leave this place and to continue to be stirred on toward living a life that is filled with love and good works. And so as we wrap up our time together, I want us to stand and have Daniel and Julia come forward. And as we worship together, I just want us to be reminded of the amazing God that we worship and all that he has done for us. And also during this time as we worship, uh, if you have, if you feel like you have a word for the entire body, if you feel like God has put something on your heart for all of us here at Moran Park, 
I want to invite you to come forward and share that in the seats down here, and they'll help discern if that's for the entire body or not. Maybe it's a word of wisdom. Maybe it's a word of knowledge, specific situation that, you were, that the Lord just revealed to you about someone here. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's a, a prophetic word, something that's going to happen, and you want to share that with the body. Maybe it's a word in tongues or interpretation, whatever. Feel free to come and share that with those in the seats, and we'll see if uh, the Lord wants to continue to speak anything into our lives. Let's continue to worship.